This is Comscope Crosstalk. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Mike Reardon. Now, modern touchscreens have messed me up a little bit. I'm convinced of it. You see, I enjoy photography as a hobby, and the other day I was looking at a photo of my kids. I wanted to zoom in on the actual photo paper photograph, and I, I pressed my fingers to the photo to enlarge it like a touchscreen or something. Jeez, what's wrong with me? Anyway, today we're talking about Cat 6A, going farther and getting smaller. A cage fight between evolving needs and existing standards. We are fortunate to have multiple guests today. Our guests are Wayne Hopkinson, Engineering Fellow with Comscope, and Trent Hayes, Director of Engineering at Comscope. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Good, good. So you, you both know the drill. You've heard a couple of podcasts. Um, I love to ask you about music. It helps the audience get to know who you are a little bit in a, in a personal way. So, um, Wayne, we'll start with you. What would you say is um, maybe a favorite song or a favorite album? Uh, or maybe what are you listening to now these days? Hmm, that's, a, that's a good question, Mike. Uh, I, I listen to music when I, when I need to or want to. It's not often that I get a chance to, but I was on a drive to Atlanta the other day. And I tried to listen to stuff that would keep me awake, and that wound up being most of what I could find from Nirvana or Hole. So, kind of the, the grunge scene. <laughs> nice. That's great. That's great. Trent, what about you? A favorite song, favorite album, or what are you listening to these days? Well, the approach that my wife and I have taken is anytime we can think of a song that we like, we tell it to my daughter, and she adds it to our playlist. And a number of songs I've noticed that we keep returning to are from the band Chicago. And in particular, the song Beginnings from the album Beginnings. And what I really love about that song is about a two-minute or so finale or finish that is just totally percussion and no vocals. Oh, that's great. That's great. Chicago. Chicago and Nirvana. Those are two classics, right? Kind of in their own right. That's great. Okay, good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. So, so let's see. Wayne, you are an engineering fellow. And... I'm sure some people could probably guess, but tell me a little bit about exactly what you do with Comscope. Well, I started my career with Comscope as a, a cable design engineer, and I probably spent the better part of 15 years designing and understanding how cables perform. So anything from Cat 5E to Cat 6 and 6A up through Cat 8. A couple of years back, I switched roles to address the system side of, of our portfolio. And I've also been working on new technologies that are geared towards delivering high bandwidth and power. And Trent, how about yourself? Director of Engineering at Comscope. Um, tell me a little bit about what that is and, and what do you do? Well, I've, like Wayne, we've worked together for many, many years. I've been in uh, our copper wire and cable products, uh, product development, research and development for about a little over 30 years, I guess now. And... Um, so I manage a group of designers, uh, cable designers, as well as sustaining engineers in, in other product areas, uh, including our Envision intelligence offering. You know, I, I still keep my hands on quite a bit of the actual product design, measurement in the labs, um, things like that, as well as industry participation in forums like the International Wire and Cable Symposium, as well as uh, um some of our industry standards, TIA and ICEA, among others. So I appreciate both of you being here. I, 
What I wanted to talk about is I want to talk about Cat 6A. There seems to be a bit of a, like a cage fight of ideas, wanting to push the standards, push the envelope. Tell me a little bit about why was Cat 6A even developed in the first place? Maybe that's a great place to start to help us understand why we are where we are today. So the Ethernet standards, which is our predominant uh, private network cabling protocol, began in the early days with slower data rates at 10 megabit per second, and then it evolved every few years uh, by about an order of magnitude to 100 megabits per second or 100 base T, and then later to 1,000 base T. And then as each of those application standards were developed, there was an associated media standard to support it. So category three, category 5E, category six. And then the next logical evolution was to go from 1,000 megabits per second or gigabit Ethernet to 10,000, so then another order of magnitude. And, of course, that gets much more challenging as you continue to go up this scale. And CAT6A was a, a media that had to be developed to support 10 gigabit per second Ethernet over a full 100-meter solution with up to four connectors and 10 meters of patch cord per all the, the, the normal LAN cabling standards. Okay, great. So has anything really changed since since the standard of CAT6A was, was ratified? I mean, is it still pretty much the same cable? Well, the standard itself is largely the same, although the revision has been updated every handful of years or so. And the CAT6A needing to support this 10-gig application, it required higher bandwidth than previous categories, and it required a new parameter, in particular alien crosstalk, which up to this point, had never been specified. So alien crosstalk and higher frequencies within the cable media were the challenging parameters for the, the cabling design. As time has progressed, the, the requirements have remained the same, but uh, ourselves and other companies have found you know, innovative solutions to come up with product enhancements against the standard. So we can make the products perhaps smaller in certain cases and, and that sort of thing. So obviously when 6A first came out, the cables were, they were bigger, right? I mean, they were a little bit bigger than what most people were used to a twisted pair cable being. It seems like they've gotten smaller and smaller over the years, but recently there seems to be a bit of a race to the bottom to try and get the 6A cable as small as it possibly can be. All while people are concerned about extending the distance, right? Is there really a, a push to extend CAT6A beyond 100 meters and expect to get the same performance? I think there is the motivation to try and use CAT6A cabling to support multi-gig applications beyond the standard, so more than 100 meters. I think that there are cases where gigabit Ethernet and multi-gig in the form of 2.5 and 5G base T applications will be supported by CAT6A cabling beyond that distance. But I think it's also well understood that CAT6A cabling will not support 10 gigabit Ethernet much beyond the 100 meter distance. And that has a lot more to do with the application and the, the signal encoding that does just a, a strict interpretation or a strict scaling of insertion loss. Is that really the only limitation? I mean, when you get further and further out, I know that some people think that you can solve the distance issue with just larger cables, right? Larger conductors. But that is probably, isn't that addressing it from more of a, uh, a loss-limited perspective? Aren't there other considerations? Yeah, there are, there are some that want to reach further and further with 
these same cables by increasing the the size of the copper conductor and, and really just lowering the insertion loss. But there's a number of other transmission impairments that come into play. Delay is one of those, uh, but also delay skew and the need for the, the phys on either end of this channel, this copper channel, to know when to expect a signal to come through and know when not to expect a signal to come through. And if it's going to wait a certain amount of time before it retransmits, it's got to narrow that time span down so that it can transmit and maintain that bandwidth speed. Is that really one of the biggest issues? The fact that phi manufacturers have kind of value engineered their phis to a point that they have lower tolerances for delay or inconsistent tolerances for delay? I think it was a challenge for them to get to CAT6A and, and 10 gigabit Ethernet speeds. And, and I believe there wasn't much appetite for them to go beyond that with the amount of effort they had to pour into 10 gigabit Ethernet. Interesting. So we have these extended distance demands on just category cable in general, but we're talking about CAT6A. And then CAT6A seems to be under pressure for a smaller diameter cable. Now, obviously, there is a, a size that you get to that CAT6A just doesn't work anymore. I mean, if we could make a CAT6A cable the same diameter as CAT5E, we probably would have done it by now. But it doesn't work, right? At some point, it fails. At some point, it gets too small and it just can't work no matter what we do. Is there a, is there a risk pushing the size of your cable down further and further? I mean, aren't you getting up against the edges of less and less margin? Yeah, th there's always a challenge and a trade-off with, with all these engineering decisions. So CAT6A, as an as a industry standard, has lots of requirements for transmission parameters. Um, Wayne talked about insertion loss and delay. So we also have crosstalk. And crosstalk is both internal to the cable, so internal near-end and, and far-end crosstalk, and then additionally, as I mentioned before, external or alien crosstalk. So that's crosstalk between two separate neighboring cables. So there's a, a lot of different solutions on the market, and of course, we want to make things as small and efficient as possible. There are some limitations, so how small can you go and still meet insertion loss requirements? That, that'll be one of the fundamental limits on how small of a conductor you could use, for example. But also the twist selection and spacer elements within the cable to achieve the, you know, the target level, let's say, reliable performance against the target level of internal crosstalk and then also alien crosstalk. So if we make these spacer elements too small or remove them altogether, for example, we, we could probably show existence proof that we could create a cable that meets the, the standard. Um, the problem, we believe, is that meeting it in a robust way that can be uh, cable installed, handled, and then reliably meet that standard each and every permanent link or channel that gets measured out there, that's where, you know, at least we as a design selection, we, we choose to be a bit more conservative maybe than others that produce in, in the marketplace where we want, you know, the customer to have a compliant product that, that meets the test criteria each and every time. That sounds like the, the big challenge right there, right? To consistently and reliably perform at the level we expect it to perform in the real world. Because I'm sure it's easy to get something to perform at a, at a high level in the lab, right? Or easier. Easier, right? It's there's lots more variability in you know in the real world with installation 
different conditions everywhere. What about consistency in the size of the cable? Aren't there challenges to keeping the cable size consistent the smaller you go? Well, we have noticed um, that many cables that, that claim to be a particular diameter are very often much larger than what they're actually claimed to be. Uh, I don't know that that's a, a difficult thing to do, but um, in terms of actually achieving the design consistently, so if we have a cable that we specify with a given diameter, say 0.25 inches, we have the appropriate process controls in place to you know, be at that size consistently all day, every day as we're, as we're extruding and running the product. You mentioned that we tend to do things a little bit more conservatively than others. Is it we do things conservatively or we, we like to build in higher performance? We like to build in extra margin for our customers? What is the overarching design philosophy that we, uh, we try to put in all of our structured cabling products? Well, what we look for really is statistical capability, that our product meets each and every one of the performance criteria, whether it's insertion loss, return loss, near and crosstalk, et cetera, that we, we want the product to meet that in a very statistically reliable way so that we have confidence in the product uh, when we produce it and also in the field when it's installed. And one net of impact of that is there is some built-in margin. So we have, you know, extra margin on each of these parameters so they're not bumping up against the spec limit. Wayne, you, you said you uh, worked the last couple of years helping to develop the Constellation solution. Isn't the Constellation solution solving, among other things, I mean, it solves a lot of problems, but isn't it solving some of the problems that others are trying to solve by changing CAT6A? They're trying to get CAT6A cables smaller and smaller and smaller, obviously because there's a problem. They need to reduce the amount of space that the cable is taking up. They're trying to figure out a way to extend the twisted pair cable out further and further. Devices are further and further away from the, the TR. Doesn't Constellation solve a lot of those same problems? Constellation does solve a lot of the problems that uh, some might have tried to address by making the cable smaller. By that, I mean if... If all of your CAT6A cables emanate from your, your equipment room or your telecom room, there are going to be a number of them coming out at once. And, and their bundles, or, or bundling those to get them out of the TR, might introduce space challenges that you wish you didn't have to overcome. What Constellation does is it reduces the density of cabling in TR, in the, in the equipment room, and, and allows you to get out into the building to deliver data to edge devices. And from that point, you can spider off or network off in a kind of star topology to reach your, your final points of your final devices using traditional CAT6A cabling. So CAT6A is still in the equation, just done a little differently. CAT6A is definitely still in the equation, and it's good for the last 100 meters. But Constellation gives you an opportunity to reach out from the telecom room by as much as 500 meters before transitioning to a CAT6A mm. kind of media. That's great. Gentlemen, this has been a great talk. I've really enjoyed listening to some of this. I've really enjoyed talking through some of these things because they're challenges that come up all the time. These are things that our customers bring up all the time. So this has been great. It's been real helpful. Really, really appreciate both of you making the time today. Sure thing. Yeah, this has been great. And thank all of you for joining us. For any questions or comments regarding this podcast, 
please send them to comscopecrosstalk at comscope.com. My name is Mike Reardon, and this has been Comscope Crosstalk.